Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Jillian and Selby is my guest today, and we are talking about sales and specifically around who is in sales and what do you need to know to be in sales? And are there better personalities that are better suited to be in sales? This is a great episode, especially if you are one of the people who doesn't think they're in sales, but are actually in sales. So listen on. This is The Real Bottom Line where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. My guest today is Jillian Selby. I'm so excited to have her here. She is from Gun McQueen and we're gonna talk about sales today. Welcome, Jillian. Thank you for having me. Now, Sales can be good, people. Sales can be good. Jillian, why? What happened? Why do people hate sales so much? I don't think there is a profession that has a more negative connotation um, than the word sales. And I don't know if it started with, you know, sitcoms and TV. I don't know if it started mm. just with, you know, that's actually a good question. I don't know how it started, but everyone has that feel of sales is just a little bit cringy a little bit used car person, someone who's very pushy, someone who is not really full of integrity, that mm -hmm. the minute you talk to them, all that they're going to try to do is take money from you. And I sales means taking money from me. Right. And to be honest, that's not too far from the truth. Sales is about a transaction. It's a conversion. It's taking someone from not taking your goods or service and making them into someone who becomes part of your fold. In essence, they are going to pay you for something. But the difference is someone who is really good at sales is you leave that transaction feeling better for it. Mm. In our head, our transaction before is that I'm going to feel taken advantage of. So, Ick. Do you think it comes down to the intent with which we enter in that sales conversation versus like if we're going in and we're going, they just need to do X, Y, Z, no matter what versus, Hey, let's figure out if this, if this is a fit and whether they should do this or not. Like, mm, interesting is it an idea. Thing? Well, I think then we're talking about someone who's actively looking, right? So suddenly when we're, we're talking about that sales conversation, I'd say it's a little bit different because you have a need, right? It's mm. when you have a need, you're more like, who do I find? And you're already amenable to that transaction. So I'm aware of my need. I, I am approach aware. that transaction differently than if I'm not aware and I feel like you're forcing something on me. Right. So comparison is I need a car. You're not walking into that dealership unless you need a car. I, I mean, I'm sure there are people who go, let's see the new models, but most people will determine that I'm, I've got an issue of some sort. My old car is dying. I need a new one. I am now going to approach. So once I walk in there, I already have in my mind. Um, the opposite side would be, 
I'm eating dinner and the phone rings and it's someone asking me to buy something when I actually haven't initiated any interest. That I think mm. is what people view more as that sales thing of intrusion. Um, intrusion. And now, now another part of sales will tell you, it's the one thing we don't teach. So oh. if you Why want to become- Why is not on the curriculum of every <laughs> bachelor of business program? I think that there's now a much stronger awareness of the value that sales brings to an organization, to a good relationship. And it has changed a lot, especially in the last three years. Mm. But um, we don't, even as children, hear about it as here's a really interesting way to make a living. Here is a great way to um, have a wonderful career, potentially become an entrepreneur. It's a great way to be able to transfer between industries as you get expertise. We don't hear that. We hear become a doctor, become an engineer, uh, go into a great trade, do something, but no one ever stands up to say, go into sales. It's a secondary option. Isn't that truthful? I feel like, especially for small business owners and entrepreneurs who are the primary audience here today, we are all in sales, whether we're in sales or not. What are your thoughts on that comment? Um, there's a wonderful author, Daniel Pink, um, and he says one in nine people in the United States, this is reference point, one in nine people are in sales. The other eight of nine are also in sales. They just don't know it. <laughs> oh, I love that. So I absolutely do believe we're all in sales because the long and the short of it, if we all work for a company, that company survives when there's revenue and we have to go out and find that revenue. So whether we wear the title of I'm a business developer, an account manager, your sales forward person, or I'm a financial analyst, I'm an architect, uh, I'm a lawyer, I'm an accountant, I still need to find clients to pay me. If I don't find those people, then my business won't survive. So I need to sell my services. And that's one of my biggest goals in helping make that leap for people who may feel like, oh, I, I've never been taught this and I just don't feel comfortable with it. And I don't even know how to go about doing it because of all of those different challenges, you could say. Right. So the preconceived notions we've had are basically maybe what we've seen in media, what we've seen in different types of uh, content that we consume, whether that's on a television show or what have you, has created this negative connotation around sales, which then you know can lead a person to be reticent about even calling themselves that or thinking that they're in that, let alone go develop the skill set so they can do it effectively. Yes. What are the skill sets of an effective salesperson? What do oh, they know how to do? I'm going to cover that. Um, I'm going to not counter or cover. I think it depends upon the type of selling that you're doing. Oh, what are so, the different types of selling? Well, if you look at um, your market, if you look at what you're selling, you're going to sell very differently depending uh -huh. upon the need. So um, I'll use my brother, who's a very technical salesperson in the energy district. He sells uh, ways to do a variety of things. To be very honest, I have no idea what he does. He's very specific. And in 20 years, I've never been quite sure. But the people who are sure are the engineers that he meets who are highly technical. So he is an expert in one thing, and he's a very good expert in it. Um, so his selling will be to where you meet the client where they're at. So if he's talking with a group of engineers who are also technical experts, his selling is going to be highly technical. If I am a business developer, 
let's say in, um, I'm going to use architecture and design because that's my background. I might be a very social seller. I might be the one who's going out to find those new things. So I may not be living in the technical world as much as a networking world, um, a linking world, that sort of thing. So again, I would hire for different strengths based on that. One of the biggest challenges is we have in our heads, this is what a salesperson looks like. They have cap teeth, they have marvelously coiffed hair, they might have a sort of shiny suit on, it might be a horrible suit, it might be absolutely wonderful. Like we have these mental images and I'm gonna to propose to everyone to say, just throw those out the door, the same as we'd say, throw out what your mental image of an accountant is, throw out your mental image of what a plumber is, none of it applies anymore. We have very different people in all these roles. So look at what the type of role is and what it needs to accomplish. And then you can find the right person to fit into that. We have people who are introverted, who are phenomenal salespeople, and we have people who are extroverted, who are phenomenal salespeople. So that's interesting because most of us would assume an introvert couldn't sell. What is it the type of role and the type of selling they're doing versus it's a skill set that is irrespective of that? I think it's um, introverts are by nature better listeners. Mm. And your best salesperson is someone who listens. So while we tend to think the extrovert who charges into the room and takes hold of the situation is high energy, sometimes an extrovert is not the best listener. It's a skill that needs to be learned. So that's something that we would help counsel extroverts on helping to learn is two ears, one mouth, spend more time here. Introverts sometimes need new tools to get their energy up in those other situations, but they're very good at taking in information. Why this matters now is... The arena that we all work in has changed. So if what, when I started my career around 25 years ago, you would be the expert and people will call on you to find out what do I need to know? In other words, uh, in my case, I need furniture. Can you come by, show me some brochures, tell me what's important and start the sales discussion. It was started a pretty raw side because where did you go for information? Well, to me. Right. Now, when I would start the discussion, my clients could be better than informed than me about some parts of my business. They've you know, been in industry. They have the most marvelous tool and that they're going to go to my website. They're going to check out my LinkedIn. They're going to go to industry profiles. They're going to talk to competitors. They are so well informed that by the time they talk to me, what they need help with is not saying what, what is my issue or how do we solve it to help me wade through this massive amount of information that I'm dealing with, I'm overwhelmed. So if you have someone who's really good at listening and hears all that, then they can help parse it down. You have what is now an amazing salesperson. So, okay, because on, so the product knowledge piece or the service knowledge to a great degree has been satisfied by the searching they've done and the reading they've done. Maybe they came in from a referral. So they understand more. You have, you have to guide them at a, from a different point in the, site, in the sales cycle, if you would. Very much. So now in the sales cycle, when someone comes to me, my depth of experience, my expertise is to guide them with, this is what you found out. Here's what my experience is going to show you. Here's the hidden pieces that you need to be a success. Here's the criteria or the opportunity filter that we should be reviewing to analyze our, our decision. Right. Hmm. Interesting. And, and that's very different from not long ago when it was, here's my stuff by. I'm great because it's not about me. It's about the client. And ah. it's a real mindset shift. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to the introvert extrovert for a second. Yeah. Does that mean anybody can be a salesperson? Mm. 
I think anyone can sell. I think not everyone enjoys it. So <laughs> if you were to put someone in a situation and say, go talk to that person, tell them about you, most of us could. Uh -huh. um, there's a few of us who would love that challenge. It's like, yes, I'll get on the phone. Yes, let me go to that networking event. There's a number of us that can go, I can do it. It may not be my favorite thing. I can probably do it. And there's still a subset that would go, why are you doing this to me? You hate me. So they could do it, but it will be miserable. It's like asking me to do my expense reports. I can do it. And I really, really dislike it. It's not my strength. I can do it. So to answer your question, yes. But our goal here is to A, identify the people who absolutely love it. Yeah. Also identify the people who go eh, and discover, is it because they don't know how? And that is their hesitancy or is it, this just isn't my, my thing. I'm really more of a technical person. So if I'm uh, in a service-based business, say for example, and it's just me, but I'm scaling. When do I bring in a salesperson? Like, is it right away? If I'm, especially if I'm not a person who likes it, do you know what I mean? Like, do you do yeah. it? How soon can you replace your voice with someone else on that scale? As a, as a small business owner, I'd say that's way down your line. Okay. Um, you are your best advocate for your company. You are the person of passion. You are the person who knows everything about it. So if I am your client and I know it's a small company, I'm going to want to talk to you. So yeah. you don't want to lose that sight of how important mm -hmm. you are in the mix. Once you start scaling up, especially for service, then what I would suggest is that's an opportunity to start training some of the people who've been other jobs. And I'll use a design studio as an example. You may start off as a lone designer, and then you're going to hire in junior or intermediate designers to come in and help with some of the heavy lifting. You want to start identifying within your team people who can start implementing sales knowledge while supporting your business development efforts. So you are in sales training. Yes. right? You build courses and things like that. So for the entrepreneur who this isn't come naturally, or maybe it does, why should I go take training? I, so I started in sales myself about 25 years ago and I went into it out of pure malice. Like it pure was malice. What does pure that mean? malice. I was in marketing and I was, I had this phenomenal opportunity where I was moved from our office in Calgary and I was sent to New York to help on the design and the marketing with that team. So there was a group of great salespeople there. Um, what I discovered though, is that I was being pulled in to do a lot of the presentations. However, I wasn't being paid anywhere close to what the salespeople were getting paid. And that's when I started looking around going, hold on, this seems pretty easy. I'm doing these presentations. The work is closing. They're doing really well financially. And I'm, I want I'm a piece of the action. I want a piece of the action. And so it was, it wasn't sunshine and roses. It was like, I need rent. And this is the way I'm going to get rent. So I went into this thinking this should be easy. I had a small business. I bartended through university. I'd run a small, like, you know, the manager of a little tiny clothing store. I'd done lots of little things where I was always that front facing person and, you know, lots of excitement. And I thought, I got this. I got this. I know what I'm doing. And I'm all that in a bag of chips. I am the best thing that has ever happened to this company. Thank heavens I'm here. And lucky me, I crashed hard. 
um, because there's a big difference to talking to a room of people who are already there. Someone's done the due diligence mm. of creating the interest, managing to get them into that room or close to the close. I was really strong at the presentation side of things. What I didn't understand was I hadn't spent my time and energy on other parts of the process that would have made my life a heck of a lot easier. So it, so it's actually good to fail hard and fast, strongly recommend it. I was no longer all that in a bag of chips. I was pleased someone teach me, take me by. <laughs> I am now humble and fill it up. I am so humble. I really screwed this up and I need a hand. And luckily, I, like I said, I worked with a great group of people who said, absolutely, let's show you the ropes. So um, what I have done is I've structured my training around the ropes that I learned. Mm. So it was, and it is feet on the street because what you don't need as a founder is a four day sales course on how to create a cold call. That is a really bad way to spend your time in the sense that time is really precious in four days. Doing such a deep dive on a single item is a lot. So what you need are foundational skills. You need that, that if you will, that bridge that goes from reading a book about how to sell mm -hmm. to doing a deep dive. It's a lot like, to me, it's like watching a cooking show going, I see you make that souffle. I'm ready. It's no, you watched it. What you need is somebody to go, before we start on a souffle, we're going to show you how to scramble some eggs. We're going to show you how to make a cake. We're going to work you up to the souffle, which is that masterclass. We're not going to jump you from reading a book to doing that masterclass. Same thing here. You need that bridge those foundational skills on how to do the selling portion all the way through your business to help you as an entrepreneur. What are the top three to four foundational skills that we need as to, to be able to actuate and bring revenue in the door? Hmm. So when I've asked people that question, my take is different from what people I'm asking think is important. Okay. So if I was to say the top three. Yeah. Um, and I ask people, the top three that I get from people in the field are, I'd like to know how to network. Mm -hmm. I would like to know how to present. Mm -hmm. And then it starts to drift away. Okay. Sometimes I might get a cold call, but no one wants to cold call. No one says, oh gosh, teach me that. <laughs> um, it's more like if I don't bring it up, she won't make eye contact with me and she won't tell me I need to know that. So we're going to hopefully move away. But it's usually top Top two, if I ask people, are always network and how to present. And what do you think they are? My number one is process and procedures. Okay. My number two is cold call, which number causes me sadness. Mm. Uh, it's, it was my hardest one. Absolutely my hardest one. And my number three is a sales mindset. Okay. Oh, I love this. Systems, process action and mindset oh my gosh I feel mm -hmm. like it's the things I, I talk about in your wealth building foundation so it's very <laughs> similar but looking differently so I like that your business is making a profit you're growing but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success don't worry you're not alone Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your Financial Diagnostic Score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth.
Okay, so what is a sales mindset? The very Let's first thing that is one. that uh, this one is the one that's the hardest one uh, for my experts. And I'm not saying hard as in um, everyone can do it. It's just the, it's the thought process behind when I've received work to when I have to go out and develop work. So if let's say you were a lawyer where you received a lot of files, you were working in a large firm, they landed on your desk because people are coming to you because you're at company ABC, that in itself was the brand, the attractor, the piece. And so you became very good at becoming a lawyer and receiving those files. When you are no longer at that firm, but you've hung your own shingle out, those files aren't flying in, but you've got that expert mindset what you have to do is instead of saying people come to me because I'm the expert, the mindset changes. I have to go to the people where they are to show them why they need me as an expert. Mm -hmm. And that's really big. That's what causes you to pick up the phone. That's what gets you out the door. That's where you see the necessity of going, I have to be on social media now. I really need to, when I'm tired, I still have to get out there and get my name going. That to me is one of the biggest impediments for people when they move into revenue generating is that it's the first thing that people cut is all of those business generation activities because they haven't got that sales mindset going. Even as a salesperson who has a formal sales title, if it's been really busy in the past few years and then it's, it dries up, we call it staring at the phone waiting for it to ring. It's not going to ring for you. Now you have an interesting story around sales mindset. Uh, mm. Tell me that story because I think our listeners would love to hear it. This to me, um, when I was starting Gun McQueen, this was one of the reasons I started actually going and talking to my, my expanded network, which were architects and designers. And it was because of a really, you know, an incident that just left me feeling terrible, left the team feeling terrible, nothing we could do about it. And it wasn't even my client. It was um, several years ago. And I was uh, at one of our offices and I had clients flying in for all over. So, you know, huge presentation and stress and, you know, you're up for days preparing and getting everything done. Part of my team coming in was a strategist and an absolutely marvelous person. And she was supposed to be there, you know, 8.30. We had three hours of work to get done or about nine o'clock and she did not appear. And she didn't appear, you know, till 10, 10, 30, finally 11 o'clock. And at that point, of course, all of us are starting to sweat going down your brow. And you're thinking, we're going to have to pretend one of us is this woman. What are we going to do? And she walks in. Of course, your first reaction is, where have you been? And then I saw her face and it went to, oh, no, what happened? And she told me this story. And it was um, it was one of those where you went, oh, wow. So she'd had a meeting that was supposed to be one of those amazing fun meetings. After you would award a job, before anything goes wrong, you have a wonderful kickoff meeting. Like we've won, we're all happy, this is great. We're all in love. We're all in love. No one has had to announce something's gone awry yet, which we always have to do. And you know, it's one of those like perfect meeting to have before she came to see me because you know, what a great way to buy yourself up, right? Well, this was a kickoff meeting and it was an important one. It was for a very large project and the client was there, the design firm was there and her team was there. So, you know, you start going through, here's where we're going, here's what's happened. And the CEO was listening to this because huge vested interest when you're in architecture and design, when we're talking about brand new builds, the meeting was going and about one hour into it, he stood up, put his hands on the table. He looked at the head of the design firm and said, 
we're going to see our uh we're going to meet outside in the hallway right now everyone else please stay here and usually that's the equivalent of saying you know go to the principal's office no one wants to have the head of the company call them out and go to the hallway and nor should they and in this case exactly that don't go out the ceo looked at the head of the design firm and said about the the head designer the talent on the project the reason they got the job immensely talented person he looked the head of the firm in the eye and said she goes or we go right now and you know like like this was this took the great meeting to ugh. what had happened was every time someone on his team said something this young woman sat back and rolled her eyes or went oh yes now you're going, oh and after an hour of that the ceo realized we don't want to face this for another five years if this is the tone in the most positive meeting we could have the most uplifting meeting and it's a put down to everyone else around yeah i'm afraid that this is not going to work I'm willing to walk away from this contract. So she was fired on the spot. And should she have been? Probably. But the question that I really spent time on wondering, you know, everyone's like, how could they have sent, you know, what was she thinking? I'm going, but was she trained? Who taught her how to be, how to act, how to incorporate, how to communicate with clients? Who said to her at one point, your body language is not appropriate? Right whoever coached her on saying this is how we manage our brand and our respect to our teams around us that's that foundational sales skills is how do we interact with our clients meeting them where they need us to be with respect good manners and excellence well and it goes back to everybody's in sales so she's a designer and not necessarily a salesperson per se exactly but she has she affected the sale well now think about they kept they kept the sale, but they lost one of their biggest talents. Yeah. So the cost to replace her would have mm -hmm. been, you know, usually is it two times her salary or three times? Yeah. She was an expert. She was a leader in their firm. Um, so we're looking now at hundreds of thousands of dollars on their end to try to find someone to come in. Not, and the biggest one for me, their brand. That firm was damaged yeah. by an eye roll because this isn't something you keep under wraps we all have small communities that we work in there is a lot of risk to a small to medium-sized company to send your people out into the field without saying here's how we work here's how we present ourselves here's how this company that i have worked really hard to take forward when i start sending those people out on my behalf are they bringing the brand that i've striven for and worked for are they matching it when they are talking to people and i'm not in the room so what's interesting that's coming up for me is that anyone who's client facing at some level is a brand ambassador and they need these skill sets, these basic skill sets in order to represent. Exactly. They don't need the four days of sales. If you have a salesperson, someone is specifically you've hired only to sell and they're an expert, those are the people that you send to those intensive sales courses because they have the experience to call on to do that work. Most of us aren't in that. We're the eight of nine, but we do need to understand how to uh, talk with a client, how to understand their needs, how to listen, how to capture information, how to move them through the funnel, how to present to them, definitely how to network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these little foundational things. And that also helps elevate them. If you suddenly find these wonderful people in your team who can do all that, promote them up get them even more, but you won't know till you establish those foundational pieces. 
That is so true. Okay. Um, I, I, I happen to love sales. So how do you talk to people at the front end that aren't, that aren't even salesy at all, or would be like, I'm not in sales, you know, they're the, these are the eight, or maybe they're the two out of the nine that will refuse to believe it at all. I, uh, I have had to pivot quite a bit. So when I started out, I was actually starting with, um, working more within my old industry and in the sales industry, but I saw demand in a new area, but that was having to change my language because if I walk into a lot of people who are professionals to say, I'm here to teach you selling, it was like, we talked about it right at the very beginning. I don't think so, my friend. Like, ew, like just, you can just see someone's spine clenching when you say it and they're like, oh. So I've changed my language so it's less uh, confrontational because it elicits such a strong reaction. So it's conversion, it's business development, it's client account management, it's uh, the client experience, which I think is the most wonderful thing to have front of mind is what is the client experiencing whenever we touch base with them? How does that work? So- And recognizing that's part of sales. As part of sales. So my course is called Selling Simply. I even gave some thought about, do I change the name and take the word selling out of that? But no, because this is about selling. That's but awesome. It is, I'm trying to uh, meet people where they're at, which is what I teach. And if it's really awful to hear that sales work, then let's use another one because there's a lot of different aspects around it. Yes. Yes. I have certain words that I have to change when I'm reading things. So I just (laughs) change it to the word I like and I can, then I can be okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. How did you end up doing your own business, Jillian? Um, I started this, um, I was one of the great layoffs, uh, right when COVID began. So uh, just a little bit before I should say. So, um, I was a global business director with an amazing company, um, and just loved a lot of it. Uh, and it did, my layoff took me by surprise. You know, it was one of those, oh, and you know, when I sat there, you know, you're a little bit stunned at the beginning. But I had a great opportunity to sort of sit back and say, okay, I was doing really well, but is this what I want to keep doing? Do I want to go back into corporate and take a look at this? And I wanted to give myself a little bit of time to think about it because, you know, it's not a grass is always greener, but was I really good at this job or was I really good at parts of this job? So in that case, I said, I think I'm really good at parts of this job, not the entire job. So truth be told, there were parts that I really struggled with and there were parts that I liked. So I took some time and started consulting and I went across the board. I consulted with another manufacturer on their sales and marketing implementation. I did some workplace strategy work. I went back and did design work. I wanted to see how do my skills evolve. Uh, I, I worked in uh, worked for a cannabis company for a few months. So outside of my Uh, industry, but using the same skill sets. I really wanted to put myself to the test. And during that time, I was talking to everybody and their aunt, sort of like, what are you hearing in the market? What's changing? What's going on? And it was when COVID hit and I was still doing these phone interviews. That's when I suddenly realized, okay, I'm doing all this consulting, but what I kept hearing over and over from people who are like, oh no, we don't sell, but I really wish I knew how you did what you do. I'm like, I think there might be something here. <laughs> if it comes, if it's said that many times, then it's- a, If it's said that many times and in different ways. And it was just, that's when I realized there was just that link because there are astonishingly good sales courses for 
professional salespeople, like really good. And there's excellent books to read. But what was missing was someone to take you by the hand to say, okay, here's how you're going to retain this. Mm. Here's what you need to know. Top three things from each of these. If you do these three things, you will be further ahead than you've ever been. And I'm going to be there for you to ask me questions. So a different training parameter for how do you learn? How do adults learn uh, when you're busy? Yeah. Um, what is the result? You know, you go through the program with me. At the end, you have a playbook on how to approach sales and marketing for your company. Start to finish, soup to nuts, everything you need to do. It's how do we do this in a way that we can manage it, not be overwhelmed, but be really, really effective when we're done. I love that because I feel like you're talking to the side of me that loves the idea of not only knowing what to do, but how to do it. Like I really uh, had an issue years and years ago with people in my industry, people in the consulting industry that would just tell you what and not show you how. And I think the showing you how is where the results really, really become more amplified. Mm -hmm. I am. I found too, when I've done great courses that are solid days at a time, if you ask me six months later, I've still only retained one item. Fascinating. So it's like, yes, I like that one thing because it was relevant to me and I was able to launch off of it. But if I go back through my notes, it's like, I've forgotten all about this because it was too much. Your mm. brain is full. It's eight hours and then another eight hours and another eight hours. You're just tapped out. It's a fire hose, man. It's a fire hose. You're like, I, it was so great. I have no idea what we talked about. <laughs> I so, just need to sip. I don't need to do that. Yeah. I just need a sip and I need to dwell on it. And I need to be able to ask you questions about it. And I mm. need to be able to apply it right away on something that's relevant to me. Right. And if then it's, you can and then you integrate it better into your, your yeah. life and into your processes and everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what are your top three tips for business owners as we go into wrap up? Um, my top three tips. Number one, when you do bring someone on board, train them right away. In what? Everything? Well, whatever. First, uh, let's say if there's a skill set, de definitely. But let's say you are bringing on someone who will have revenue generation as part of their area. What I tend to hear is a lot of, we're going to wait two years to make sure that there's someone we want to have stick around. Oh my goodness. Instead, what I would challenge you to say is when you're putting forward an offer, capture that outset, capture that cost of training for them, because the risk to your business with someone who doesn't understand your brand, how to position you, how to act, how to move things through, you're just losing money. So give people the tool. It's much less expensive to start off on the right foot than to remake new habits later. I love that. And also, I think if you invest in someone right from the get-go, you're probably generating a little more loyalty and a little more, oh, wow, look what these people see in me versus huge. It's a trust thing. You're asking someone to either trust that they can do it right from the outset with some training or prove that you're worthy of my trust before I'll invest in you. And that's what your job interview is about. So quit making someone interview for the, the new things. It's like trust that you've hired the right person, use the right tools. Yeah. Um, and then when they're there, train them right away and train them on things that help push your company forward and mitigate your risk. That would be my first one. Um, stop looking for a superstar. Uh, that tends to happen a lot in sales organizations, but we hire and then forget about. And it's like, we're looking for the next person who's going to skyrocket our sales, that one person who's amazing. 
Instead, nurture and coach at the beginning to create your own superstar because you've got really good people, but if you do not nurture them, if you do not coach them while they're under your umbrella, they probably won't rise. You know, and if you keep saying we need that best person to come in or you're looking for that one, you probably already have them on your team. So spend more time coaching and nurturing people than you do hiring you and you will see people really rise up. And then the final bit of advice is just do whatever it takes, but get over the ick factor of selling. Just <laughs> like, just like, like, just say whatever I need to do because your company's revenue is derived that way. And if everyone on your firm Imagine if you've got 10 people in your company and all of them were thinking about how do we get a better profit margin? How do we help propel our business forward? How do we help you do that? Can you imagine how strong your company is on a whole if you had everyone thinking that way? Rolling in the same direction. Moving in the same direction, not working in that silo idea of my deliverable is this by this date. My deliverable is a profitable company with people working together towards the same end goal. And you will have better investment of people to your company. You will have people who are happier. Um, and it's just sort of embracing that sales is an integral part of what everything is that we do. And, in, and we just have to let go of those WKRP, Herb Tarlick used car salesman ideas and just say, this skill is what's gonna make us sing. This is gonna pay for that wonderful end of year party that we all deserve. That's awesome. What haven't I asked you about sales, sales training that I should have, or that what's one last parting word? I would say, oh, I think we've covered so much. I think, uh, I, I meant to say going, Wendy, I don't have a parting word. <laughs> um, okay, tell us about uh, how do they get a hold of, how do they sign up for your course or where can they go to find out information about the course? Uh, you can find me in a number of different areas. Uh, first is the website, gunmcqueen.com, G-U-N-N-M-C-Q-U-E-E-N.com. If you'd like to know about the course, you can check it out on its own website. It's selling-simply.com. Or follow me on LinkedIn or join up for my email newsletter. My, uh, I send out every two weeks a newsletter on tips and tricks that I know for, you know, for people who aren't in sales to say, hey, have you considered? Or here's a good tip or trick just ways to look at things just a little bit differently and send me a line jillian at gunmcqueen.com i would love to hear from anyone well jillian thank you so much for your time today and i think the real bottom line here is is that whether you identify with one or seven out of nine we're all in sales thank you for listening to the real bottom line this show is produced by black star wealth executive producer wendy brookhouse to learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.